0: Through this life, we go through a lot of changes. But if we didn't have the hard, painful things, then that growth would never occur. It's part of the human experience.
1: Hey, everyone! This is Helene from Coming from the Heart podcast, an inspirational and motivational podcast about mental health, mindfulness, speaking your truth, and never feeling alone. I am excited to have a really, 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 many, many reallys special friend. Normanda Lawless is half and on. She's here now to say hi. Without any further introductions, I'm going to allow Normanda to tell you who she is. And I'm excited to have this really cool conversation with my bud. She has been a wonderful addition, part of the Coming From the Heart family.
0: Hi! <laughs> how are you? I'm great. Now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm doing all right. It was like you was such a kind introduction. I, I appreciated that. Oh my goodness!
1: So,
0: how is Western Kentucky packed up oh, tonight? It has actually been beautiful. The high's been like 70 today, oh, and nice. sunny, and just nice. you know, look at the fall weather. I don't oh, do heat. Well, I'm jealous. We are going to be
1: chatting tonight a lot about Suicide Prevention Month. I wanted to just have that. So without wasting any more seconds of time, mm-hmm. I'd, like, I'd like to introduce yourself. You came on to the podcast, onto Instagram Lives. I I, don't, I I lost count. I think mean, this is the third time or the fourth time. Fourth time. I mean, fourth yeah. time. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. glad you're doing things score because I have no idea. <laughs> we met. In a crazy way, mm-hmm. an intern, which seems like so long ago when I started the yes. pod two years ago, and I was looking for a person with your background to come on and do mm-hmm. a mental health collaboration, and we just became such nice friends. So yeah. I'm here to share the space with you. I truly, truly am. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to know how awesome you are. So please yeah. give your info
0: of what you're about. Awesome. Well, Again, thank you so much. It's like, how do I follow up with that? Again, it's it's crazy how, you know, things, we can connect, make connections and that. And, you know, it's been an honor on this end to be a part of this great podcast and everything that you and Alexandra do. I think it's very fantastic. And that's providing a platform for people to be able to normalize different topics and mental health is one of those things. For those who don't know me or haven't seen me yet on here, um, my name is Normanda Lawless. I am a licensed professional clinical counselor in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I work in a group practice called the Cognitive Refinery, and it's an awesome practice. I've been here for four years going on now. And prior to that, I worked four years in community mental health, working with kids raising from 12 and older um, to adults. I also, for my internship years, I worked at a children's crisis unit for a year for an internship and practicum in my masters. And when I was working community mental health, I did PRN work at our local inpatient uh, hospital as well. So needless to say mental health is really important. <laughs> I, I value it a lot. But also, too, specifically, I work a lot now with clients with depression, anxiety, trauma, life transitions, and, you know, suicidal thoughts will come up. And people are very surprised. We've all had suicidal thoughts at some point, even if it's like, I know some people see that TikToks, the person they're driving, they're like, why if I just go "Mm," like that? Well, that's an intrusive suicidal thought. And some people, I think there's a big misconception of what that looks like. Yeah, so yeah. some people think one of the things with, like, suicide is, oh, well, I have to have a plan. You know, I have to have an idea of what I want to do. And that's not necessarily true. People can have the thoughts of, I just don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be alive anymore. would be better. No one would miss me if I was gone. What is the point? And... You know, those who call suicidal thoughts without plans, but what's happening is our brain and our body is in this space that it just feels like it just can't, it just cannot cope with what's going on in life. And some people think that, oh, well, people who say, I'm going to kill myself, or I'm going to die, don't mean it. That's attention-seeking behaviors because they've said it so many times or whatever. And I tell people, I was like, you still take that serious, you know, that's still a cry for help. That's, you know, it's not attention seeking. It's saying someone's like, I need help right now. And, you know, one of the other things with suicide is people are like, well, I'm afraid if I tell my therapist, they're going to lock me up. You know, they're going to make me go in a padded room somewhere. And I'm never going to see my family again. And that's not true. Like I have clients that, who come and assess in that they're like, yeah, I had suicidal thoughts this week. I go, like, okay, are you having suicidal thoughts now? You know, assess to where the safety is. Even though I can do crisis assessments and I have that experience in the practice I am in now, if a client is at a point where I think they need to go to a hospital or a crisis unit, I'll say, hey, you know, I think we're at this point. We need to have you talk to someone can further make sure that you're safe. But I've had clients that they've had suicidal thoughts and they're not currently suicidal, but we create a safety plan or we review their safety plan. We would work on what are triggering factors for the suicidal thoughts, what's been going on. Sometimes we look into medications. Medications are not my go-to first thing I do with clients. In the whole seven years I've been practicing thus far. But I've had situations where a client benefited from medications, but we still have to work on what's at the root of the depression, of the anxiety, you know. And there's a lot of vulnerable populations, uh, people that, for instance, minorities, people of color, also the gay and lesbian community, the trans community. There is so many people that are impacted by suicidal thoughts. I'm going to say I read a statistic. I think right now it's the number two or three leading cause of death for people between the ages of, I think it's 12 to 35. Again, you can look on the suicide hotline statistics. Again, this is a, I've done eight sessions today. <laughs> I just got done doing work, so my brain is not. No, 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 no all, good. It's, all,
1: good. It's, all good.
0: It's still a high statistic. Also, older populations, you're looking at people 40 and up, even in the elderly, you know, people are dealing with chronic health issues. Also, if there's been a history of mental health struggles that this person hasn't been able to have treated or worked on, certain health, uh, mental health conditions can impact suicidal thoughts as well and increase that risk. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely a tremendous amount of information. I guess the question is this. We throw around the word, you know, suicide prevention, suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's become very, how do I say Clearly not clear going to say the word trendy, but it's, you hear this more. It's become yes. more spoken about yes. than it was. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think?
0: Well, I think one of the things is, I think there's been a shift, even in the last seven years I've been in the field, I've seen a shift in the attitude towards mental health. I believe that... The medical profession, I am considered part of the medical profession, but like your MDs and psychiatrists and other providers, we're starting to see that there is a connection between mental and physical health. There's social media, good or bad. You know, there's a good, bad. Just having that platform that more people are coming forward about mental health, about you've seen celebrities as well. You know, Mm -hmm. that have completed suicide. There's so many factors I think that are making people talk more about it than there was in the past.
1: Become more prevalent, or is it? Mm
0: -hmm. Honestly, right now, from the statistics, I just spread that's still been consistent I hate to say over the last seven years mm-hmm, um right. I think now it's being more talked about and I think mm-hmm. that there's more exposure about like instead of making suicide something taboo let right. talk about I think right. we're trying yeah. to stick more out of that now mm-hmm. when I say you know I do think with current situations like you're going to see an increase in possible suicides when there has been dealing with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. We've also had a lot of school shootings going on. We've had a lot of triggers and stressors and the economy and people struggling with their jobs and money and all those things we would call as warning factors that could increase seeing more suicides. Right. Okay. So we know,
1: I mean, based on what you're saying and, and, and clearly not to normalize. I need to clarify this. You know, not not normalizing suicide at all or we're speaking on it on this platform for Suicide Prevention Month, but it's having these conversations where someone can join our discussion, our conversation here and know that you're not alone, that there mm-hmm. are Resources for people to go to suicide hotlines. People not feel comfortable with that, but different podcasts. Now, of course, not just you know mine coming from the heart, where they can have the ability to hear people openly discuss, like okay. said, topics that in the past, like say 10 years ago, that were just mm-hmm. never mentioned mm-hmm. ever. And, no. Um, and the attitude towards you know, as you mentioned too, is um, mental health has now become. More discussed based on the fact of of COVID in the last two plus years, that mm-hmm. people are paying attention to mental health, and that's why obviously in in in, in, in lieu of like suicide and stuff like that, there's obviously the connection between the two. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, I guess the million dollar question—I mean, I wouldn't even say it's a million dollar question. How do we, as a society, a global society, stop this? Yeah. Pandemic,
0: mhm, so I think one of the things is you know you're saying like not normalizing suicide, I think you know maybe a uh, better for the way of phrase I saying you know we're not saying suicide isn't the answer to things, but I think I do think it's it's important to normalize that we talk about like hey, people have suicidal ideations or I've had them and having those safe people they can talk to about it. I mm-hmm. think as a help to decrease a pandemic of it would be one, people become more educated on it and yeah. two, how to handle it. So I noticed Alexandria had a question on here. What would you do? if yeah. a patient wants to tell their therapist mm-hmm. but they're hesitant and or they need help but their therapist isn't the right fit? So yeah. one of the things I would tell a client one if you feel comfortable and you know not feel threatened or anything else by that person Um, now if you feel physically threatened you need to report them to their board because you don't need to be physically threatened or anything right but if you don't feel comfortable then one let them know that like hey you know i'll be honest i don't know if this is a good fit if you're having those kinds of thoughts and you don't have a telling your therapist the suicide hotline, they now have a direct number that a person can just type right into their phone and calls right to right, right, the hotline. Right, right. It's 24-7, and there is that option as well. But the big thing is, you know, trying to find a clinician that is going to be effective for you, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I can take multiple tries, even though that may be frustrating, yeah, but each yeah. clinician different. Right,
1: right. Yeah, and I'm gonna, yeah, I want to elaborate on that as well because I think what happens in certain situations where you want to develop a relationship with this with the clinician with the therapist, but how much is too much for you to say to the therapist without that therapist going, Oh well wait a minute,
0: we need to
1: see you connect to another person or people or a hotline. Maybe this is out of my scope. I guess I guess I'm gonna back up here. What is the true responsibility of that therapist? I mean, you're licensed in the state. I mean you're mm-hmm. if you want to just mention your certification too. You're certified
0: Um licensed professional clinical counselor. So in the state okay. of Kentucky, I'm an LPCC. Okay.
1: So that's my point. So like if a person, you know, a lot of times you can go to out of another state because that once the therapist is working with you you mm-hmm. then become I wouldn't say I want. It's going to sound really heavy what I'm going to say, yeah. but their responsibility or their mm-hmm. patience, and I think sometimes maybe the patient may hold back in certain situations again, it's, it may not be the right fit. I think that's right. what what it's really talking about. It may not be the right fit. So,
0: right. so
1: how do how do you really shop for the right fit? Well, like, how do you, I mean, you're yes. shopping. You are to you know you going to Target. No. Right. Yeah, you know, you're shopping, and yeah. like, you think this person. I mean, clearly, I mean, I'm seeing someone right now, and uh, you know, it, it, I don't know if it's working. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm talking. She's not. She's listening, and I'm telling yeah. her what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Right.
0: <laughs> right. Well. Right. And- so let me back up for just a second, because you asked, you know, what's my responsibility as a therapist? I'm taking, like, from a, a standpoint, not where suicide's involved, just like you're doing therapy or, like, okay. are you. Okay. So one of the things, my responsibility as a clinician, obviously, number one, safety of the client and things of that nature and making sure I'm a good fit for that. So it's not really so much like what they tell me per se, but it's more of, you know, if I have a client coming in with an intake, wanting to meet with me, but they're struggling with substance abuse. Well, one, I'm not trained. I like, I know substance abuse and I know like all those things, but I do not have the experience nor the training Mm -hmm. to treat someone with substance abuse. So then that's when I would tell the client, Hey, look, if you have active substance use going on, and you know, I talk to them, and it seems like it's really like the forefront of what's going on. Which with trauma, that's not uncommon to see a history okay. of substance abuse. Okay, okay. Got so it. I would tell them, you know, and be upfront with them. Hey, look, you know, this is something that's outside my scope of practice. Here's who I recommend. I'd be happy to work with you. Once that's treated, or I find that we have some clinicians in the local area that do what's called dual diagnosis. So they work with the trauma, and then they can also help with the substance abuse. You know, that kind of thing. I don't work with... Children, I'm I love kids. I'm the best babysitter you'll ever have. You know, like I have fun with them. We're having lightsaber fights, all that good jazz. But when I comes as a therapist, I right. just don't have that skill set, yeah. right. right. and so I'm not going to work with children. Yeah, you yeah. know.
1: I think really in so many situations, and I remember, gosh, talking to Jake Goodman like what almost two years ago. Finding the right therapist is mm-hmm. so difficult. Mm-hmm. And even when you feel they may have certain modalities, it's it's hard. <laughs> I guess what I, what my, my my next thinking or thoughts are what are some <laughs> different I'm not even <laughs> strategies, I'm not sure, maybe modalities that mm-hmm. are positive in, in, in any type of therapy. Because then you know, we have people comment on here that had many different situations going on, So I don't want to be a little bit general here. What do you, for an example, I mean, yes, you see clients for the specific area that you have your, your
0: mm-hmm. expertise in,
1: but if you want to just talk on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, sure. So one thing I do want to bring to the forefront here, I know I think I talked to you, Helene, about it a while back. So um, it was federally passed, that now we are going to be enacting what's called the Counseling Compact. So what that is, counselors with my license, this isn't for social workers or clinical psychologists. This is people with a counselor license like me. States that are already in the counseling compact now and whoever get added. So I'm licensed in Kentucky. And I know Georgia right now, I believe, is also, they they were one of the early ones to sign in as well, sign on to the counseling compact. There's several now, um, but we had to get 11 statewide or nationwide. And so... If I had a client who either, A, moved from Kentucky to Georgia, or B, they get on Psychology Today, find my name, and because I'm licensed in Kentucky and one of the counseling compact states, I can either, A, go to that state, which I'm not going to commute to Georgia, that's a lot of gas, or B, I can do telehealth if it's appropriate. Oh, okay. So it just got passed this spring but it's going to take they said 12 to 15 months to get that going because we will have to do specific training as counselors and our boards have to look at okay are we going to add in an extra layer like you because right now as a counselor my license in kentucky and that can be a little different state to state What our board because every year we have to renew our license and we have to have 10 continuing uh, education hours okay. again this is for counselors in the state of kentucky at least. And you know, I'm required to have suicide training at least every six years. I do that pretty much every other year just personally. Um, we have to have law and ethics every two years and then we take domestic violence as well. That's required, we have to have those no matter what. And so they may add in like our board could say, okay, hey, you gotta do a telehealth training every three years or something like So that's what they're trying to work on to make okay, sure people okay. are properly trained. So, hopefully, by this time next year, we will have that going. And that's the reason why the American Counseling Association, that's our national association, has been working, actually, since 2017 to okay. get this passed. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID, they realized that a lot of clients were disserviced because mm-hmm. we can't cross straight lines. We can't, sorry? Okay. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. That's, that's what I want to talk about for now. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, I understand. I understand, like the logistics, sort of. Yes, but again, the pandemic hit. Boom. Mm -hmm. Why is it that okay? I'm in New Jersey. Why can't I see someone in California or whatever? Mm -hmm. Because we're still doing telehealth or telemed or telehealth med, whatever it is, or Zoom. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah.
0: I get it, but, like, I really don't get it. And there's people out yeah. there that really don't really understand that. Yeah. And I can see why, to be honest. You know, what it is, is like I said, as you notice, I said, for Kentucky, this is my board's requirements, right? Okay. So every board in every state has different requirements.
1: Okay.
0: So okay. even such as if I want to be a licensed therapist in California, I do not have enough college hours, course college hours in sex therapy. So I would actually have to take two, like six additional hours in sex therapy just to be able to get a license in California because they say I have to have so many. Okay, some may okay, say you okay. have to have so many supervision hours. So that's why with the counseling compact, they're yeah, making yeah. it to where all these boards were all going to be on the same page. Everybody should have similar requirements and training. It's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So way, that,
1: yeah, It would open it up more.
0: Yes. Wow. It, it would open up more and then they would know every person within that state, we all have the same requirements for right now. Some of us don't. We all do require, um, you have to have what's called K-CREP. You have to come from a K-CREP program. That's C-A-C-R-E-P. Please don't ask me to try to tell you the acronym of that off the top of my head. But it's an accrediting program that's okay, okay. common across the United States. If I want to get licensed anywhere, I have to come from that program. Say it uh, one more time. Wait a minute. Say it one more time. What's it called? Uh, K-CREP. It's C-A-C-R-E-P okay and it's it's national accrediting um for colleges so they provide the Mm -hmm. curriculum the counselors need through their Mm -hmm. master's program to come out to be effective Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. all boards require that but Mm -hmm. it's your year to year what is required how many hours of training and what Mm -hmm. so that's where they're trying to get that all on the same page so we all know that that makes sense
1: Amazing. I think sometimes for myself and for people that I know and friends, whatever, it's frustrating because you go into psychology today. And I want to mm-hmm. dive in here a little bit yeah. more about how to find mm-hmm. a practitioner who's going to work for you. It's really frustrating. It's yeah. so, so frustrating because you often cannot find that right person and it could take <clears throat> a really long time. And what if you're moving? What if you're going here? What if mm-hmm. you're going there? It's demanding. I don't know if you can yeah. speak on that. Um, I guess there's really, I mean, the resources are, to my knowledge, limited. Mm-hmm. I mean, psychology today, I'm not bashing psychology today. No. But, I don't know, is there something else out there that you can find someone who you believe is certified? Now, sometimes, mm-hmm. I also just want to note that Besides the fact that might say a social worker, what do people really need? I guess it depends on your situation mm-hmm.
0: to, to
1: look for that very specific certification that, that counselor has, so that they can help you.
0: Yeah. So, like counselors, social workers, clinical psychologists. We all do the same thing. We all do mental health. We all work on things with clients. Um, In fact, in the practice I'm in, we have clinical psychologists, social workers. In fact, the owner of the conic refinery is a licensed social worker. And then there's me and a few other counselors. So we have a a mix um, of clinicians. Really what it boils down to is that therapist training, um, it boils down to, you know, again, what is it you're needing to work on? You know, and that could be, do I need someone that has some, would I prefer someone that has more experience or things of that nature? And also choose something to keep in mind is not every clinician has a Psychology Today profile either. So you could Google search in your local area, you know, therapist near me. And uh, looking up agencies that way, because it does cost money to have those profiles. Thankfully, I I call her lovingly boss lady here. I've known her for years, (laughs) seven years now. Our practice pays for our profiles, but some clinicians don't use them. So, you know, there is Mm -hmm. that. There's Mm -hmm. also asking people, you know, if you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. to go to therapy and they like their therapist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> often sometimes they don't want to share it because yeah. not, not, not 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 you know what? Now don't know that the person's going to be like territorial. Like no, you can't have. This well, <laughs> I, well, thank God we're talking about mental health because maybe I don't know. Ten years ago would be like, oh no, I don't really see it that way. No, like. Now it's mm-hmm. like, who doesn't have a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. everybody in the room has one. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's not crazy. It's actually healthy. Yeah. To have the ability to, that people want to speak about their mental health and are acknowledging mm-hmm. that your brain is part of your body and that this is something that we really need to to mm-hmm. be doing. However, it's tough to find that right fit. And that's really it's, what I want to go
0: on. Yeah, so, it it yeah, can't be for sure to find that tough fit. Because also think about it too. You're going in and talking to this person and getting to know them to talk about things that maybe you've never told anyone else before. And that's exactly. a whole level of vulnerability in and of itself. Exactly, uh, exactly, exactly. And I think
1: that some therapists do not have. So I'm gonna be, okay. let me be nice here. Do so for not, it. really do not have the filter to mm-hmm. do their job. Some are better yeah. than others. Some teachers are better yeah. than other teachers. Some doctors are better than others. Know, doctors. Yeah. And I think sometimes people just don't get it when they're speaking to you know someone and they don't understand really the person's needs. Mm-hmm. Often I think the best therapists like you, and I want to to you now, yeah. are the people that have gone through their own shit let's just say what it is i mean it's like the best doctor whatever that doctor specializes is going to be the best because they've been through whatever they've been through so they're able to give that expertise back to you mm-hmm. so without getting to say, too personal if you mm-hmm. want to share a little bit about you normanda yes. and you, about yes. your mental health maybe we, we spoke a little bit on the some of the mental health collaborations because i think people really connect to that too yeah. that, hey like you know, here this person is in this profession, but they too had their own stuff going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think uh, one of the things, too, it's really important for therapists to be empathetic to be able to connect, even if you haven't gone through similar things as your client, even I can have a client. So my mental health is, I actually have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I have a history of panic attacks. In fact, I had an anxiety attack on my break on work today that I had to guide myself through some deep breathing and that this was some life outside work triggers happened. It's really important to be able to know how to connect to another human. And even a client who has anxiety disorder, our experiences, we could have the same diagnosis, but our experiences are different. And what's important is having a clinician, even if they don't have, they don't have to necessarily have to go through a lot of shit, but I think it's important to have empathy and training and understanding. I think yeah. for me, just you know, having my own anxiety, I've had family members who've had PTSD, severe episodes that I've witnessed. I've been through bone own things, bone own traumas, and a lot of clinicians have been. To be honest, I mean, I'll be quite frank with you. I was probably the world's worst client <laughs> with my therapist. <spirit. laughs> Bless his heart, poor Todd. <laughs> you know, a therapist. we can focus on other people all day long, but you put right. the, you put it on us, like no. <laughs> you know, and I think what could help is a lot of clinicians need to have that experience of being on the other side. My program at Western Kentucky University is where I graduated from, both bachelor's and masters. And our master's program, they're like, look, we're not requiring you to go to therapy, but you need to go to know it's like to be on the other side. And that, that's that's wow. uh eye opening. When you're on the other side, it is vulnerable mm-hmm. being over there. Um there have been times I've been talking this to thought about something and I'm like, God, I work with people all day long. Mm -hmm. with the same thing, and you told me this, why didn't I think of this? (laughs) Or I would have said this to a client. Oh, my God. And he was like, Miranda, it's because I'm not in it. You're, you know, you're in it.
1: Totally. You can't, you you handle such great aspects of this. Like, first of all, if you're going to be in this profession as any type of a counselor, my God, have some empathy. Go Go get yourself another job. And also the training. Now, mm-hmm. I think that you know, from my experience, not having that many therapists and so forth, is that it's that you know sometimes people's training sucks.
0: Mm-hmm. Like they don't
1: you know, really know how to verbiage very well, mm-hmm. and they maybe are not the most kindest person doing mm-hmm. this job. And like that's yeah. like just like any you know job in the world. But unfortunately, how do you lessen the client's vulnerability and i think yeah. that's a really good statement how do you as the therapist and you're amazing we should just oh no, thank you. You, <laughs> you everywhere how do you do that like less vulnerability
0: well the thing is that i i come into it and and again, I've had great mentors and things like that. Because believe it or not, there are some really good therapists out there. You know, Helene, you're like, they're ready. I'm like, well, oh, there's they're something better than me. <laughs> they are out there. But like I tell clients, when people have had difficult experiences, it's hard. And right. the thing right. is that I don't try to lessen their vulnerability. I try to hold space for the vulnerability, okay, which means okay. that I'm empathetic. I'll even tell a client because on our intake form we say have you seen a therapist before I'll ask him like so tell me about that experience what that was like for you but like, like, I'm not like, like being like oh tell me the shit on this person it's like no tell me your experience what was this like what was positive what was negative you know and and it does It may be sad to hear when people have poor experiences, but the only thing I can control and a lot of clinicians will say is, how do you treat that client? Even if I'm not a good fit for you, I'm gonna tell you and be like, hey, let's do what's best by you. Here's a referral. I can help you get, you know, try to get in with this person. But I don't think, you can't take away the vulnerability piece because as humans, we're vulnerable. This is a very vulnerable world. So we have to be able to, Just be able to see, uh, one of my um, colleagues here, he made a good point. He said, you know, really, it's two souls connecting. Whether you believe in souls or not, but it's basically two energies connecting together.
1: I love that. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's how I feel about you, Like, Mm -hmm. And that's about frequency, and that's a whole other Mm -hmm. topic. I mean, that's, you know, I talk about spirituality. I'm very spiritual. Mm -hmm. When you just connect i would know mm-hmm. the people that we connect to i would know the people that we do not connect to mm-hmm. and that's about the frequency and the energy that is exuded from you as an energetic mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. and i, I you know, clearly that's what it is with me clinician, therapist, and so forth um, mm-hmm. and i also want to just comment and, and get into a little bit about the different types of therapy that are out there of course there's sure. therapy we all know mm-hmm. Talk is talk and how that works. You want to talk a little, explain that a little bit. Movement therapy and and or any new types of therapy that maybe I'm not so much aware of that coming in that we should talk about.
0: Yeah, sure. So talk therapy is, you know, you come in, you're talking with a therapist. Now, there's different interventions people use um, with talk therapy. So there's, I use, personally, I use kind of behavioral therapy or CBT, um, DBT skills I use, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. I'm I'm what we call DBT informed, which means I'm not, I don't do the full DBT model. I just use the skill set, but I've had a lot of uh, training in that way. Internal Family Systems or IFS. There's also ACT, which is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. There's oh, there's also all kinds. Of therapy no, 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 no. I, you
1: know, you're, rat- you're I'm like taking a- you're rattling off a lot. You know. <laughs> yes, you know, I, can't, I can't keep up. With you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh. I think people often hear CBT and they're talking their CPT for trauma, and then you know, the mm-hmm. other and a therapist. Or should I say a good therapist should be able to kind of give you that medley of all of it, and then also what I wanted to mention, why I'm thinking now, because I'm thinking of so many thoughts. <laughs> my head. When the client is telling you their version of, mm-hmm. of, of a situation, do you do you ever say to the client, "Well, you know, I mean, I had this in my situation when I had therapy when my mom passed away." And I had to, Jen, if you're out there. She she saved me. Eight years ago, my mom passed away, and mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have done in my life without her. Clearly. Yeah. And I had never had therapy. I went in, and just was exposed to many different methodologies that she was giving me. I think she was a social worker, and so forth. Now, what I wanted to say is, when I was having conversations with her, she would often say to me, and we would get into different topics and family and situations. She wouldn't just see my side of the situation. Mm-hmm. She would allow me to explore mm-hmm. other aspects of the conversation. Yeah. Sometimes the therapist doesn't so much do that. Yeah. They're seeing you.
0: Mhm. So first of all, it could depend on kind of how the therapist sees mental health. So there's individualistic styles which oh is goodness. you're just focusing on that person. Again, there's no right or wrong, you know, oh to any of this. It's just, you know, again, finding that fit. So some clinicians use more of an individualistic approach. They're just going to focus on you and what you're going through. I do more, I follow more into a systemic approach. Okay. So systemic means that I'm not just looking at the individual, but I'm looking at, you know, and also as a counselor, my license, like we, we look at all areas. That's how I'm trained. Anyway, we look at their family life, their work life, their physical history, medical issues, all those things. And we kind of work from there. So yeah, I will dive into, tell me a little bit about your family. Tell me a little bit about growing up, just kind of see where they've been. I will say going back for just a second to different modalities. So yeah, you have, you know, even in talk therapy, I've pulled out, like had clients do letter writing to that person that hurt them, uh, that they don't get to that person, but that they can do to get that out, to empower that client to find their voice. I've done what's called empty chair technique. And that's where I have the client look at me as if I'm the shell of that person and they talk to me, you know, I th- I jokingly say, don't throw anything at me. And they laugh. <laughs> like, oh, I can't do that. You can throw a pillow, but that's about it. But yeah, I'm like the shell of the person. And they'll talk at me as if I'm that person saying what they want to say to me. And then I will ask questions, but more to help, like, make them go deeper. I'm not yeah, trying to uh, be that person and they know that. Yeah, I'm just yeah, helping wow. them to, like, dig deeper wow. with it. Wow. What, used... is that,
1: yeah. what is that called, that type of therapy?
0: Um, that's from just That's from just therapy. I
1: think really what it comes down to is that there's so many great things in therapy mm-hmm. that yeah. you can explore if you find the right
0: therapist.
1: Yeah. Right. And, right. and then the sadness in so many, I'm going to say that. Because yeah. it's true because people can't find the right person. And I'm I'm looking at movement therapy. Now I have to share when I was going through I had Vertigo and clearly that's the platform and running how I'm here and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I more or less kind of implemented that into my own gig without really knowing that I was doing it. Like I lay yeah. on the floor, I stretch out. I would dance,
0: and Mm -hmm.
1: I have to, you know, my family knows that I, well, I never said so. I just never, and ever, and that's kind of, I'm I'm like that, I mean, I feel like I'm tired I'm low energy, but I'm moving, because when I'm moving, it's it's like this part of your brain Mm -hmm. that diverts anything like anxiety, I go through some anxiety stuff that I deal with, even driving down here today, I was driving from North Jersey, and I'm like, Mm-hmm. Oh, my! Okay, driving.
0: And yeah. I'm saying to myself like, "What are you freaking? fine." I'm like, and your body, yeah, and your body stores that energy, so that anxiety and that. So movement therapy can be very helpful to one. Sometimes reset your nervous system in a sense, because if you're moving around in that, that's gonna help. I've used uh, yoga with clients. Um, I'm getting back into my own practice. I'm working on becoming a yoga instructor, and I'm going to provide that service here at our office for clients. But, you know, I've used that in therapy. You also have, there's art therapy where people right. use different right. art forms. There's also what's called equine therapy, and that's where they use horses, which I think is really cool. I would love just to try that out for myself.
1: How does that work? Like, I know someone who used equine therapy for someone who had a brain injury,
0: um, but not
1: for general anxiety or trauma Mm -hmm. or that stuff. How does that play into that? Yeah.
0: So um, again, I, I have very limited, I know some things I'm still learning about it, oh, that's
1: okay. but they
0: have used it with trauma as well. That's where I'm kind of getting, learning more about it. So from my understanding, again, feel free to Google this stuff. They have a person work with a horse. Learning to guide the horse and all that. Kind of like the the horse is used one as a support animal because, you know, horses are cute unless you're definitely afraid of them, then don't do the therapy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I love horses. Like horse. Well, I, I don't know if you get to ride the horse. I don't know on that part, but I do know. One of the things they do that I read about was they have you lead the horse through different little obstacles. And one of the therapists that I had watched about that does this, they said that they'll have the client talk about, okay, identify what these physical barriers we led the horse around that you've dealt with. And what did that look like when you tried to go through it? And I've heard some, um, one of my colleagues, she has horses, and she's looking into doing this in the, around the Bowling Green area. And, oh, wow. you know, she said that sometimes people will want to talk to the horse. You're oh, sitting there, and they're like, well, I want to tell the horse my story. And some people will laugh, but I'm like, if that horse feels safe to them, why not?
1: <laughs> I mean... I mean, Let's just talk about animals in general. Oh, gosh. And that, actually, I'm having yeah. someone hop on here in a couple weeks. Waldo Rescue. Mm-hmm. The cutest, cutest girls. They oh. rescue these dogs in Manhattan oh. New York City. They have a whole business. And um, that's going to be such a fun interview. And what I really want to explore with them is animals and how we, as humans, connect to animals. Because oh. animals support dogs, a horse, whatever it is, because be a hamster they get
0: get us want to talk about that yeah yeah Yeah. so even a hamster even if it's a goldfish believe it or not so love this topic all right here we go so first of all as human beings going back to suicide awareness right as human beings we are naturally as mammals of of the species need other mammals. We need other humans. Even, I use this example all the time, even a little hermit that lives up in the woods somewhere and comes down once a year to Bob's Shack to get food and only talks to Bob, that's still his one human connection. Even if it's the delivery guy, that's still a human connection. So as people to help with mental health, one, having a healthy support system right. and connecting with people. And two, having something to take care of being able to help reduce depression, things like that, that's where having animals is so therapeutic because, I mean, if you're not a dog person, then you have a cat. If you're not a cat or dog, you want a lizard, cool. Like anything yeah. for you to kind of love, it's kind of putting you outside of yourself. I've even yeah. told clients, volunteer in places, do volunteer work. Yeah. Because again, yeah. you're kind of putting that, Energy into something else, we're not deflecting, but it can help us again that connection piece right, right. and also having something to love and care for. Absolutely. no you just touched upon something that I want, want to comment
1: on when you are not so, and I want to say this lightly because I don't you know a lot of people joining this and different types of um health, mental health issues, not so self consumed. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not air quotes around that. not being so self-consumed when you say is to care about others because your brain switches mm-hmm. roles. yeah focus on yourself mm-hmm. for this 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 animal this being what happens in your brain when that happens in regards to your nervous system like
0: so yeah so one thing I will say, like, when it comes to depression, I like to kind of think of it, it, it kind of takes over and kind of steps outside its role. Because believe it or not, some clients look at me crazy when I say this, okay? They're literally like, what? I'm like, depression is actually healthy. Anxiety is healthy. Anger is healthy. But it's based on the situation. But when depression really kind of takes hold and it's going outside of that role, that healthy role that it needs to be in, that's when it becomes a problem. And it's kind of like trying to take over our life. I say it's greedy. Depression gets greedy. I use this analogy with clients sometimes it's like a doppelganger. You know, it's where I don't know if you know what you know, a doppelganger is like your thing. That's kinda of what the pressure anxiety can be. It's trying to be you and take over things and it's very slow about it. And when that happens, then sometimes we gotta go down to basics. Like maybe it's just make a three things I'm gonna accomplish today. I have to do these three things. And that can be as simple as one, brush my teeth, two, get out of bed for at least 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. three, go fix breakfast. And if I want to do more than three things or four things, go for it. But let's start with just making sure, okay, I have to complete at least three things when it comes to like animals, you know, it's also too unconditional love from an animal. You know, there's no judgment there unless you're my cat. There's all kinds of gestures. Just- <laughs> she gestures just, just me all the time, <laughs> but yeah, okay. you know that's that's our relationship,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, cats do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like yeah. dogs to be our eternal toddlers, cats are eternal teenagers. It just depends right. on mood. <laughs> right,
1: right, all right. Oh my God, no, I, I love that. I mean, and I think it's that you're extracting yourself from your being. Now you mentioned mm-hmm. clearly that anxiety, depression. Or, what I say, you say healthy, but in, there's a difference between being sad or not happy than being depressed. Mm-hmm. Depressed, right? Because yeah. it's a way for you to express an emotion. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, how would you verbiage that anxiety and depression are positive in that respect?
0: So, for instance, we call it situational depression or situational anxiety. So, if someone I love dearly dies, I'm going to be depressed, such as I may have a hard time. Like, I love my husband to death. Uh, You know, if he died tomorrow, knock on wood, hopefully he don't. (laughs) But if he did, I wouldn't be coming into work tomorrow. And I would probably have times I'm not going to feel motivation. And I'm going to be crying and and also to crying, you don't have to like cry to be technically depressed or feel sad it's not just sadness it's like and i've dealt with depression um in the sense i have hypothyroidism for one so there's also medically induced depression which means that because of a physical ailment or condition it mimics so i mean i'll just be completely honest my thyroid was out of balance, I got so deep, dark, down in depression, I had suicidal thoughts with plans. And that's when I went, mm, I need to go to my doctor. And I told her, I said, we either any check my thyroid because that's a history of my family, or I need antidepressants. So it was very scary, like mm. completely terrified to get down to that point. Um, but it was now my thyroid's balanced. It has been. It's been fine. Anxiety hung around. <laughs> that never left, but I joke right. about it. dark humor also helps too. That's yeah. how I felt sometimes.
1: Absolutely. And I you feel know, like, yeah.
0: So many people are have, have anxiety.
1: Like a mm-hmm. talk Like yeah. we all never not have anxiety and not talk about it. Do we yeah, all feel well, anxious? Like is it like what is happening?
0: Well, here's the thing, too. Like, we all experience anxiety at some point. We all experience depression, too. But going back to situational, like, that happens, I'm going to have depressive symptoms. I'm going to be depressed. If I didn't, let's say, I was a college student or a high school student hoping to go to this certain school and I didn't get in, I'm going to feel depressed. I'm going to be depressed about that. But it's when the depression lingers longer and longer and longer and more and more things. I'm losing interest in things or, or anxiety. People think you got to be like an anxious mess with anxiety. No, you can sit here very calmly, but on the inside, it feels like I'm screaming. Yeah. You may not see yeah. it, but that's what yeah. it feels like on the inside.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and then suicidal, I'm not suicidal, excuse me, situational anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never had anxiety ever in my entire life until i went through vertigo and it's the fear of ever god forbid ever having it again and it's that and then and then your brain sort of just as i say has a party with it my son mm-hmm. and I have that all the time it's like yeah the brain just like well bring it on and then yeah. i've had you know and to be able to say stop right you know really talk and- yourself out
0: yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, you've probably experienced anxiety, you know, probably driving around your jersey a time or two. Someone cuts you <laughs> off or, you know, like, right. what the <laughs> Right,
1: right. That's yeah, true. That is that is definitely true. But yeah. I think what happens is that it's like one thought and then you're like, oh. and, it, and, then, and, then, mm-hmm. and then be able to just, you know, for myself, as I share, just to, to stop it. Like, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Well, well, and anxiety, too. Think of this way: another situational anxiety. Somebody's waiting on test results to see if they have cancer. Right. right. That's anxiety provoking. Or I have a test coming up.
1: Uh, oh, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For you know, for me, going to get a mammography. Yeah. So I gotta be like, they should just give me like like Prozac and a glass of wine, and mm-hmm. then just me out and let me us right. and, and listen to like some, <laughs> some weird man. And, You're right. <laughs> and that's my point back to what I was saying is that it just appears that so many situations of people talk so much about anxiety. And we've clearly, mm-hmm. as, as humans, have, have had anxiety for decades. Oh, so, forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've all experienced anxiety. But right now, I think, again, there are, so just like with suicide awareness or any mental health you know, there are factors that can contribute to it. And I think a lot of people, there's more increased anxiety right now and depression and things like that yeah. because everything that's been going on.
1: No, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap this up because I yeah. can talk to for the rest of the night and you need to go. <laughs> You've had a long time. What's, what's the positivity of Everything that we've talked about tonight. I mean, I'm trying to like wrap this to make this because uh, coming from the heart, you know, never to feel alone, to feel validated, to feel that even in the worst of situations, I would always say to my children, "This too shall pass." Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts?
0: I mean, my thoughts is this that specifically with tonight, it's being able to say, you know, as humans, we can connect, and that. Through this life we go through a lot of changes, but if we didn't have the hard, painful things, then that growth would never occur. I love that. You write that down, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Basically, a growth would never appear
1: if you didn't go through your shit. Yeah. And, you know, I spoke to Iffy Thomas and I spoke to Josette. Iffy Thomas is a friend of mine from the UK. Josette is out of California, and we had a really fun Instagram live about a year ago, and we the same thing more Mm -hmm. or less when you don't go through your 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 tribulations and your shit Mm -hmm. you can't get to the other side of sunshine and rainbows not always but Mm -hmm. it appears that way I mean if I hadn't gone through vertigo and gone through all my stuff would I be sitting here on a platform absolutely not so should I be happy for that no but Mm -hmm. circumstances made it that I wanted to speak to the world i wanted to validate people so yeah. I think it's really great advice to say that you have to unfortunately go through things to be grateful would you say mm-hmm. to really know what it feels like to have great stuff if you haven't gone through stuff would you say
0: that well i would say more or less that as part of the human experience okay you I'm know sure. it's, so. it's to normalize it we you know and it's not to minimize but as humans that's what we go through, and that, you know, based on that growth and those things, the shit you go through, you can also help someone else with their own just to be able to validate and have better empathy, even. Yeah. For Helping
1: others. And mm-hmm. you do so, so well. Aw, well, thank That's you. To, uh, to wrap this up, we've spoken so many different aspects of mental health. And again, to those who have not joined from the very beginning, Suicide Prevention Month. Of course, it's the month of September, but Suicide Prevention Month really should be all 12 months. All 12 months. And Mm -hmm. if people want to go for specific training on suicide prevention, I'm excessively honored. I'm going to be doing some training with Jamie Angelini down here in Atlantic County in New Jersey. She just recently (laughs) to me to take the class or there's a course or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think people should get involved in many Mm -hmm. different
0: aspects of mental health yeah yeah absolutely and also thank you so much for having me again it's always a joy to be here and i enjoy i love our friendship and and also the great work you do by you know having this space for people
1: thank you thank you well enjoy the rest of the weekend we're going to catch up soon and for everybody thank you guys and enjoy your your weekend wherever you are hopefully you're not getting rain like i am for the whole (laughs) Bye 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 -bye. Bye. Please check out my episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and weekly Instagram Lives, where I am honored with talented, exceptional guests. Can't wait to see you all there.